Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Foss Corporation, LLC. Hello, my Mysterians. This is Terry from Texas with another Terry's Mysterious Moments. Since we are in the month of October, I think it's time for some stories about creepies and crawlies and ghoulies and ghosties. Our first story is about something called the Enfield Monster, and it refers to reports of an unidentified creature around Enfield, Illinois, in April of 1973. The reports were covered by the news media at the time, with some of them suggesting that they may have been caused by a wild ape or an escaped kangaroo. Used as a case study for a paper on social contagion in 1978, sociologists cite the episode as an example of collective behavior where a group or a crowd can be affected by the spread of group emotions such as panics, hysterias, collective visions, and extreme instances of suggestibility. At about 10 o'clock on the night of April 25, 1973, Henry McDaniel heard a scratching sound at his front door. He looked out and saw something that he thought might be a bear. Taking a gun and flashlight, he headed outside into a strong wind and saw a creature between two rose bushes. He later said it had three legs on it, a short body, and two pink eyes as big as flashlights. It stood four and a half feet tall and was grayish colored. He added later that it was almost like a human body. McDaniel fired four shots at the creature, one shot hitting it and causing it to make a hiss, much like a wildcat's, before fleeing towards a nearby railway embankment, covering 50 feet and three jumps. McDaniel called the local authorities who discovered footprints in the soft earth near the house, which McDaniel described as dog-like in shape, with six toe pads. The police considered McDaniel to be rational and sober in his reporting of the incident. In a later press interview, McDaniel said if they do find it, they will find more than one, and they won't be from this planet. I can tell you that. Investigators interviewing nearby residents were told that Greg Garrett, a 10-year-old neighbor of McDaniel, claimed to have encountered the creature a half hour before McDaniel did, and that the creature had stepped on his feet, tearing his tennis shoes to shreds. The boy later told Western Illinois University researchers that his report was a hoax to tease Mr. M and have fun with an out-of-town newsman. Two weeks later, on May 6th, McDaniel called the radio station WWKI 
claiming to have seen the creature again at 3 a.m. in the morning. It was negotiating the trestles of the railroad tracks near his home, and McDaniel said, I saw something moving out on the railroad track, and there it stood. I didn't shoot at it or anything. It started on down the railroad track. It wasn't in a hurry or anything. A search party including WWKI's news director Rick Rainbow explored the area later that day and reported observing an ape-like creature standing in an abandoned building near the McDaniel house. They claimed to have made a recording of the creature's cries and fired a shot at it before it fled. Cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman investigated the case and the sound recording. Two days later, a day after McDaniel was interviewed on local radio, the local press reported that police were called to investigate reports of gunfire and arrested five young men from out of town who had come to Enfield in order to photograph the creature, carrying shotguns and rifles for protection. The men having claimed to have sighted the creature the White County Sheriff dismissed reports of this monster hunting expedition as an exaggeration, saying that the men were just out drinking and raising hell, mentioning the monster only briefly during questioning. The men were charged with hunting violations. The incidents were reported widely in the press at the time. It appeared in newspapers throughout the state on April 27th of 1973 and on May 7th, there was an interview on radio station WGN Chicago and articles in the Chicago Daily News, the Moline Dispatch, the Champaign-Urbana Courier, and the Alton Telegraph. There were earlier articles in the Carmi Times and an updated summary of the events appeared in Pennsylvania's Reading Eagle in August of 73. After the arrest of the five men who had arrived to hunt the creature, residents of Enfield expressed fears that press coverage would lead to further monster hunters who might inadvertently shoot citizens or livestock. That was a good fear, I, I would imagine. It was suggested that the creature may have been a kangaroo escaped from a nearby zoo which would explain the three legs description as the tails of kangaroos look like a third leg. McDaniel was adamant that the creature wasn't no kangaroo, having owned such a creature as a pet while on military service in Australia, and noting that kangaroos have narrow faces and tracks that leave claw marks. Following media coverage of the creature, an Ohio man contacted a local newspaper stating that the creature may have been his pet kangaroo, Macy, which had been lost or stolen a year previously. A few days after the event, United Press International quoted an anthropology student who suggested that the creature may have been a wild ape, noting that such animals had been reported throughout the Mississippi area since 1941. In 1978, researchers at Western Illinois University, headed by David L. Miller, investigated and analyzed the incident, publishing it as a case study in social contagion. The researchers found there were no more than three first-hand reports that had subsequently been exaggerated by news stories and local gossip into an epidemic. 
According to the study, in this area of southern Illinois, it is not unreasonable to assume that Mr. M or the radio news team had actually seen an animal. People we interviewed framed the recent events in these terms. Their accounts admitted the possibility that large dogs, calves, bears, deer, and wildcats had been sighted. Some frames suggested that an exotic pet, such as an ape or a kangaroo, was the catalyst for the monster reports. Finally, some people tactfully suggested that Mr. M had a notoriously overactive imagination and had probably been shooting at shadows. In any event, we interviewed only one person who agreed with Mr. M's claim that he had indeed seen a monster from outer space. The Haunted Doll When you think of haunted dolls, it, it's more than likely the creepy old Victorian-looking porcelain kind that springs to mind, none of which you probably have laying around. You might, but probably not. But it seems that many people claim to have haunted dolls and other things. Still, don't get too comfortable around any kid's toys too soon. A Disney's Frozen Elsa doll from the movie Frozen that was gifted for Christmas in 2013 in the Houston area made headlines when it seemingly became haunted. The doll recited phrases from the movie Frozen and sang Let It Go when a button on its necklace was pressed. For two years it did that in English, Mother Emily Madonia said. In 2015 it started doing it alternating between Spanish and English. There wasn't a button that changed these, it just was random. The family has owned the doll for more than six years and never changed the batteries. The mother says the doll would randomly begin to speak and sing even with the switch turned off. The family decided to throw the creepy doll out in December of 2019. Weeks later, they found it inside a bench in their living room. The kids insisted they didn't put it there, and I believe them because they wouldn't have dug through the garbage outside, Madonia told KPRC Channel 2 in Houston. At that point, Elsa ceased to sing the English rendition of Let It Go altogether, speaking only Spanish when pressed. The family then double-bagged the bizarre doll and placed it at the bottom of their garbage, which was taken out on garbage day. They went on a trip shortly after, but when they returned, Elsa too had come back and was waiting in the backyard of their home. This time, the family mailed Elsa to a family friend in Minnesota who taped the haunted doll to the front bumper of his truck. It doesn't seem to have made its way back to Houston yet, as per Madonia's latest Facebook update on the creepy doll. I don't necessarily believe in haunted dolls, uh, although I know stories about them. Uh, I've heard stories about them for a long time. But I'll tell you this, when I was working out of town for a year, I would come home and I would sleep in the middle bedroom where there was a, a single bed, a twin bed. But that was where all the toys were stored because we had been um, foster parents for a while earlier and we had a bunch of toys in there and one of them was was an Elmo doll 
that would talk. And Elmo apparently was underneath some other toys. And it would randomly go off, which, you know, made me question whether this could be a haunted doll. I'm in, I'm in the bedroom, in bed, trying to get to sleep. And suddenly I hear, I feel great. Okay. So we realized what it was and we got Elmo out of the, out of the batch of toys and we put it up in the top of the closet where nothing would touch it. And every now and then I would hear, I feel great coming from the closet. I don't know about haunted dolls. The phone stalker. In 2007, ABC News documented a series of cell phone calls to families with terrifyingly specific death threats. The unidentified callers knew exactly what families were doing and what they were wearing. The families say that the calls come in at all hours of the night, threatening to kill their children, their pets, and grandparents. Voicemails arrive playing recordings of their private conversations, including one with the local police detective. The caller knows, the families said, what they're wearing and what they're doing. And after months of investigating, police seem powerless to stop them. This went on with the Kirkendall family for months, who reported a caller with a scratchy voice threatening to slit their throats. When the Furcrest, Washington police tried to find the culprit, the calls were traced back to the Kirkendalls' own phones, even when they were turned off. It got worse. The Kirkendalls and two other Furcrest families told ABC News that they believe the callers are using their cell phones to spy on them. They say the hackers know their every move, where they are, what they're doing, and what they're wearing. The callers have recorded private conversations, the, the families and police said, including, as I said, one with the local detective. Now, there are people just maliciously stupid enough to do things like this for, quote, fun. They don't realize that it's no fun for the people they're dealing with, and it's, it's not really fun, and it's not funny. People like this need to be caught and incarcerated in, in a way that they have no contact with modern technology and possibly no contact with humans. That's my opinion. The next story. A resident of Dayton, Ohio relates this story. He was driving with his three-year-old son in the back seat when they passed by a cemetery. It was a modest cemetery with only flowers and small plaques. The person telling the story said it looked as much like a garden as anything. According to the story, as they drove by, the toddler, who had been happily singing, abruptly stopped, pointed to the cemetery and exclaimed, look at all those people. The father turned to look, but didn't see a soul. Confused, he asked his son what he was talking about. Little boy said, all those people over there, there sure are a lot of grandmas. Well, I'm sure you can understand that as the story goes, chills ran down the father's spine as he asked his son what the people were doing. They're all standing there looking down at the grass. 
the boy said. Completely unsettled by the conversation, Dad sped up and drove home. Or as we say in the vernacular of my day, he put it in B for boogie and beat feet. Later that day, he says his young son was watching TV when he turned around and said, you know, they weren't alive. Thinking that his son was referring to the cartoon he was watching, Dad asked what he meant. Those people we saw, they were all paused, his son replied. Now this is evidence of kids growing up in the video age. When they're put down in front of a TV with a, a VCR or a DVD and they're given them a remote and they know how to use it. So they know what the word paused. This little boy knew what the word paused meant. The father went on to say, I don't know if my kid has the sixth sense, he says, or if he just has a wild imagination. What was the infield monster? Was it a simple, misidentified animal? Was it something from out of this world? Who knows? I certainly don't, seeing as how that was 50 years ago. And I don't think I'd ever heard of it until I looked up the story. Haunted dolls? Like I said, my Elmo was kind of spooky. And I've, I've seen videos of dolls that will move, but because they are videos, to me, they are suspect. You know, it could be rigged up any way you, you say it. So I'm a, I'm, I'm a healthy skeptic on haunted dolls and haunted items. But again, those are not my experiences. So I can only say from one part of the story, you know, one side of the story. And I don't know about the rest. The people on the phone, that's, that's spooky because I have gotten unidentified calls before. And one of the strangest calls I got was back a long time ago. And it was, it was after I was married. And my best friend was killed in a car wreck not too long after I got married. And a couple of years later, my wife and I were sleeping. And the phone rang. I picked it up. And this guy said, happy birthday. Excuse me, it's not my birthday. Who is this? And he said, this is Terry. And it's our birthday. And I explained again that it's not my birthday. And who was he calling for? He said, I'm calling you, Terry. It's our birthday. Well, my best friend's name was Terry. He and I shared a birthday. He was four years younger than I am. And we would often call each other and talk back and forth, but hadn't really considered situations like this until I got that phone call. And let me tell you, it really scrolled my nerd because I didn't know what to think. The guy apologized. He was in Ohio or something like that. And he apologized. And I said, no, it's okay because you've, you've given me good memories. You've stirred up good memories for me. And he said, well, I'll let you go then. Get back to sleep. And I said, and by the way, 
you're about four months early for our birthdays. And he said, oh, okay. Well, that was not a stalker type call, but I've had them before. Back when everybody had a landline in their house before cell phones became the thing. So I can sympathize with people that get calls like this, although I've never been threatened on one. But uh, I just, I feel for people who get this kind of stuff because technology is too easily learnable nowadays by people who have the wrong things in mind. All I can say is maybe they'll get some calls in their lives that'll be just as scary. Well, that's all I have for this week. Remember that Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast, has Aaron Hunter's show with listener stories that he tells. Aaron Frail's show with stories that he he's either written or he reads or talks about. My show. Uh, we've got another couple of new ones that I don't really have the names of handy, but we also do uh, short short movies, a couple of short movies a week that uh, Aaron puts on the air. Don't forget that you can download the RPA app from your app store, and that's about all I have. So listen, take it easy this week. Be careful. Have a good week. And remember that it's Halloween month. So let's start getting ready. Pleasant dreams. <laughs>